everyone, I hope you're all doing well and welcome back to episode number five of the Criminal Makeup Podcast. Each episode, we dive into the minds of some of the worst criminals in history. And today we are going to be talking about the story of Lacey Spears. So Lacey Spears, oh God, she was definitely a piece of work. And when I first covered this case over on YouTube, it quickly became one of my most viewed videos on my channel. And I think the main reason why is that Lacey committed one of the worst types of crimes imaginable. And I think people just couldn't wrap their head around Lacey and what she did. So Lacey Spears was a mommy blogger, Mm -hmm. one of the bad ones. I think it's safe to say that she was a mommy blogger from hell. Lacey had a young son called Garnet Spears who suffered from a few various health conditions and Lacey would post about her son online. She would document his whole journey with his illnesses. And on the surface, it seems pretty harmless. I mean, people do things like this, but unfortunately with the case of Lacey Spears, it wasn't harmless at all because it's thought that Lacey was suffering from a condition called Munchausen by proxy. And this condition, Munchausen by proxy, which Lacey was thought to be suffering from, meant that she was intentionally making her child sick just so she could get attention and sympathy. Because like I said, Lacey would post all about her son's illnesses online on Facebook and MySpace, and she would get a lot of likes, a lot of comments, a lot of attention and sympathy. And this fueled a vicious cycle where Lacey would be left wanting more and more, which ultimately led to the absolute tragic events of today's case. And I do have to give a disclaimer here because this case does involve a very young child. So just be aware of that before listening to this case. And this case is just so incredibly frustrating, obviously because of all of the things that Lacey did, but also there are so many chances for medical professionals or child protective services to step in and prevent this, but they didn't. This is just one of those cases that really, really infuriates me. So word of caution, Sassy Danielle might be making an appearance in today's case. So we do have a lot to get through. Lacey did a lot of unbelievable things. So let's dive in. So Lacey Spears was born on the 16th of October, 1987, making her a Libra. She grew up in Decatur, Alabama, where she lived with her mom and dad and her older brother and sister. Now her mom and dad did have poor health. And I think that that is quite important for today's case. Her mom suffered from type one diabetes and her dad had Crohn's and celiac disease. And like I said, the fact that her parents did suffer with their health, I think is very important with today's case. Even the fact that we are going to be talking about Munchausen by proxy. So Lacey saw that her parents didn't have the best health. She saw the sympathy and the attention that they got. And I do think that that plays into today's case. And it's said that Lacey did have quite a difficult relationship with her parents growing up. Lacey would just always argue with her dad. She didn't really have much of a relationship with her dad. And her mom has just been described as very cold. And Lacey didn't really get the attention that she needed or craved from her mom. Like her mom was just really unaffectionate. And because Lacey didn't really get much attention or comfort or anything like that growing up, up, she turned her attention into something else, which was dolls. Now, Lacey was obsessed with dolls and I'm talking obsessed, not just like a normal kid obsession. I feel like we all went through that obsession phase where we were like really obsessed with like a certain toy or a certain TV program. So not a normal obsession like that, an unhealthy obsession. And she did turn to dolls for comfort because she didn't get that from her parents. Lacey was inseparable from these dolls and she would never be without at least one of her dolls. What was strange about Lacey and her dolls is that she would pretend that these dolls were actually her children and in a creepy, like weird, not normal way. And she was very, very attached to them in a very unhealthy way. And there was this one incident with one of her friends where Lacey just lashed out and her friend picked up one of Lacey's dolls 
to play with the dolls. And Lacey absolutely lost it. She saw red. And Lacey immediately started to strangle her friend. And I mean full on strangle, both hands around her friend's neck, like really squeezing hard. And that is not a normal child reaction. I mean, we can't say that Lacey was intending to kill her friend at this point because we don't know but it's definitely worrying behavior. And eventually Lacey did calm down, eventually, must stress that, and let her friend go. And when her friend's parents came to pick her up, they noticed bruises all over their daughter's neck. And they were like, uh, hold on, what the hell is happening here? And Lacey's friend was never allowed at Lacey's house again, which I can't say I blame the parents. So like I said, a bit of an unhealthy obsession with her dolls, but this directly came from the lack of comfort and attention that she got from her parents. But not only was Lacey obsessed and really attached to her dolls, also from a very young age, like from the age of five or six, Lacey really wanted to be a mom herself. So as Lacey grew up and entered her teenage years, she did slowly grow out of her doll obsession phase. And Lacey started to throw herself into lots of different school activities. She joined the softball team. She joined the debate team. She joined the drama club. And I think her joining the drama club was probably quite useful for her given what she does later on in this case. She definitely has to become a little bit of an actress even though she's not very good, but still, I reckon the drama club helped her there. And overall, Lacey excelled in school. She excelled in all of these activities. And a lot of the time, Lacey was described as a little bit of a teacher's pet. And I personally think that this again goes back to the fact that she doesn't really get much attention at home. She doesn't really get much praise or comfort or anything like that. So I feel Lacey becoming a teacher's pet is her trying to get attention from parental figures because Lacey is looking for attention. She's looking for praise pretty much anywhere that she can find it. The other students at her school just found her a little bit strange, but the students that found Lacey strange didn't find her strange because she was a teacher's pet or anything like that. They found her strange because Lacey, to no surprise, was a massive liar. Lacey was just one of these people that would make stuff up. And I knew quite a few people at school that did that. I know some people that do that now, but I'm sure we all know people like that. Well, Lacey was one of those people. You could just never trust anything that she would say. And she would come out with the most ridiculous stories. And it was all, again, just to get attention. So one time Lacey arrived at school with an ankle brace on. And of course people asked her, how did you get that? What happened to your ankle? And Lacey just responds like, oh, I had an accident when I was cheerleading. But Lacey didn't get the attention or sympathy that she clearly craved from the cheerleading story. So she changed her story. So the new story that Lacey started telling everyone was that she was suffering from anorexia and she collapsed in the street and she hurt her ankle and that is how she got the ankle brace. And Lacey started going around telling everybody, oh, I haven't eaten for three days. And one of Lacey's friends was like, I saw you eat a hot dog yesterday. So then which Lacey being caught out in her lie was just like, oh, apart from that, I haven't eaten anything in three days. And this is what Lacey would do all the time. She would just make stuff up. She would always change her story just to get attention. And I can just imagine whenever Lacey would start talking, people's eyes would roll. And then at the age of 14, Lacey started telling everybody that she had fallen pregnant. And given Lacey's reputation, because she used to lie all the time, people were just like, are you really pregnant? Like, are, are you really, really pregnant? And then a few days after Lacey started telling everybody that she was pregnant, she came into school and was just like, oh, I had an abortion. And her friends were just like, oh, what? Where did you go? Like, what? And Lacey responded, oh, I went to the hospital in Birmingham, Alabama that does abortions. And one of Lacey's friends was just like, they don't do abortions there. I think that friend's mom worked at the hospital, so that's why she knew. So then Lacey, again, being caught out in her lie, was just like, oh, oh, I'm mistaken. I actually went to Florida to have it done. And it's like, how does one get confused about that? Birmingham, Alabama, Florida. How does one get confused? I honestly don't know if she was pregnant or not because obviously she might have been. We don't know the circumstances, but given her reputation for lying, I wouldn't be surprised if she wasn't. 
but I cannot confirm or deny right here whether she was pregnant or not. And this behavior of Lacey lying all the time, changing her story, trying to get attention, definitely carried on throughout her whole life. And that is the biggest problem with this case is that we don't quite know what she's lying about because obviously some of the things that she might be saying could be true, but she lies so much that we just don't know. Lacey also started to make accusations that certain family members were sexually abusing her. She started to make these accusations to neighbors and also to her friend's parents. There was one incident where she ran away from home and she ran to one of her friend's house and she turned up on the doorstep and the mom of her friend answered the door and Lacey started telling her friend's mom everything that was going on, all of the sexual abuse that was going on. And Lacey was saying that she's too scared to go home because of the abuse that was going on. So her friend's mom let Lacey stay with the family for a few weeks because obviously she wasn't gonna send Lacey back to a house where she was being abused. Her friend's mom also did report the allegations to the child welfare authorities and an investigation was opened into these allegations, but there was no evidence of any sexual abuse happening. And this is where this case just become a little bit difficult because I never, ever, ever, ever want to cast doubt on such serious allegations. Everybody has a right to be heard. Everyone has a right to be protected. But unfortunately, like I said, in this case, we just don't know. We never know if Lacey is telling the truth. But following these allegations and following all of this, Lacey started to call her friend's mom, the one that took her in, she started to call her friend's mom, mom. Lacey also started to call other women in her life, mom. So she called a school teacher's mom. She called other friends, mom's mom. Basically just any woman that showed her any attention or any sympathy, Lacey would call mom. And this would make people very, very uncomfortable. Again, this tells me that she is just looking for attention, praise, comfort from a motherly figure because she's not getting that from home. So Lacey had a habit of making the people around her very uncomfortable with her calling people mom and also just her making up stories all the time and lying. But things started to get even stranger when Lacey started to look after other people's children. And all I keep thinking is why? Why would you let this really strange person look after your children? So obviously we know that Lacey had a little bit of obsession with dolls and that she dreamed of being a mom herself from a very young age. She was not quiet about this at all. She would tell pretty much everyone she met that she wanted to become a mom. So when an opportunity arose at the local church nursery to look after other people's children, Lacey jumped on it. However, Lacey started to form very close attachments to these children. And I mean, she was basically acting like she was the mom of these children. And soon enough, people were coming into the nursery saying, I don't want Lacey looking after my children anymore. Like she was being really weird. However, the complaints didn't go much further than this. And Lacey was allowed to continue working at the nursery. And then after high school, when Lacey was around 18, she moved out of her family home into her own apartment. She did move into the apartment with her sister and she got a job in childcare. During the day, she would work at a day center where she would look after quite large groups of children. And then on the evening in her free time, she would babysit other people's children. Lacey made sure that pretty much all of her time, day and night, she was looking after children. What is weird as well is that she would even offer her babysitting services for free. Like she was desperate to look after people's children. So one example of just, oh my God, her weird behavior. So she met this woman called Christy Burnham. Christy was only 17 when she had her child and she was just looking for somebody to help support her looking after her child. She did have a 10 month year old son called Cameron. And when Lacey found out that Christy was looking for somebody to help look after Cameron, Lacey jumped at it and Lacey offered her services. She was like, don't worry about it. Anything you need, I'll be there. I'll look after Cameron day and night. Whenever you need me, I'll be there. And Christy at first thought, oh my God, this is a godsend. This is amazing. This is exactly what I need. So of course she took Lacey up on her offer and Lacey started looking after Cameron. She would look after Cameron whenever Christy needed. And Lacey, to no surprise, definitely formed quite a close attachment to Cameron. And as time went on, 
Lacey started to assert more and more control over when and how long she would look after Cameron. Christy at this point didn't have a car, so Lacey would come and pick up Cameron and also drop him back. But because of this, Lacey would dictate the times that she would pick up Cameron and also the times that she would drop him back. And it got to the point where Christy would phone up Lacey and just be like, um, you've had my son for far too long now can you bring him back? Christy literally had to beg Lacey to bring her own son home. So one day Christy is out with her own son in a park and someone approached Christy and said, oh, are you looking after Lacey's baby? And Christy was just like, Lacey's baby? This is my son. And it turns out that Lacey had been going around telling everybody that Cameron was her own son. I know, can you imagine being with your own child in a park, anywhere, just being out with your own child and a stranger approaching you saying, oh, are you looking after Lacey's baby? <gasps> I mean, I'd be furious, but how creeped out would you be? But still, Christy felt like she needed Lacey. So despite all of this really strange behavior, she carried on letting Lacey babysit for her. But another strange thing kept happening. So whenever Lacey would babysit Cameron, Cameron would come home with ear infections. But then when Cameron was back with his mom at home, those ear infections would clear up. And these ear infections would only ever show up when Cameron was with Lacey. And this is definitely significant, so remember this. But at the time, Christy didn't really think much of these ear infections. She didn't really put two and two together and think that Lacey was behind them. I mean, who would? Who would think that somebody is responsible for ear infections. Like you wouldn't think that, would you? So Christy kept letting Lacey babysit for her. However, things finally came to a head over a weekend in the spring of 2007 when Lacey was looking after Cameron and she just disappeared. So Lacey was supposed to look after Cameron for the weekend. And then when Sunday came along and she was supposed to drop Cameron back, she didn't. Christy kept calling Lacey, but she wasn't answering. Christy even went around to Lacey's house, but no one was there. And Christy was just going out of her mind because Lacey, who already is displaying all of these strange behaviors, now has disappeared with her son. But Lacey did eventually turn up on Monday morning and she never really gave a real explanation to explain what the hell was going on. And it was at this point that finally Christy said that Lacey was no longer allowed to look after her son. And Lacey was absolutely distraught at this news because she considered Cameron her own son. But she soon moved on and she started to display this really strange, really creepy behavior towards another child. So the next child that Lacey started to look after was six-month-old Jonathan. And Jonathan's mom, Autumn, was 19 years old and Lacey offered to look after Jonathan for free. Autumn jumped at this. She jumped at a free babysitter on the weekends. So Lacey started to babysit Jonathan and she was spending most weekends with Jonathan. And just like she did with Cameron, whenever she was babysitting Jonathan, she would tell everyone that Jonathan was her own son. She would call Jonathan, her little John John. But this time she did take it one step further because she started posting photos of Jonathan on her MySpace with the creepiest weird captions. Some of the captions said a mother's love is unexplainable. Others would say my world, my everything. She would also call herself Mommy Lacey. Someone on MySpace directly asked Lacey if Jonathan was her own son, which she replied, Yes, he is. That's the love of my life. He was born February 14th. And Lacey absolutely loved all of the attention that she was getting on MySpace. And this is when you could say that the mommy blogger in Lacey was born. And just like before with Cameron, whenever Lacey would return Jonathan to his mom, Jonathan would have all of these strange and mysterious ear infections. And again, these ear infections would only happen when Jonathan was in Lacey's care. Because whenever Jonathan was with his own mom, 
these ear infections would clear up and he wouldn't get any. But again, Jonathan's mom, Autumn, didn't put two and two together and link the ear infections to Lacey. So Lacey continued on babysitting Jonathan for a while and it was at this point that she decided that she didn't really want to babysit other people's children anymore. She wanted a child herself. And Lacey is 20 years old at this point and she sets out on trying to get pregnant. She meets a man called Blake. He is a police officer. They do kind of hit it off. They start flirting and they do go on a couple of dates. But that is the extent of their relationship. They just go on a couple of dates. They don't sleep with each other, okay? Remember that, they don't sleep with each other. And after these couple of dates, they go their separate ways and they don't see each other again. But this little relationship, if you wanna call it a relationship with Blake, is very significant so remember it so after blake there was a man called chris hill and he was a neighbor of lacy and they started seeing each other but chris has reported that lacy wasn't really interested in a relationship with him she wasn't really interested in going on dates with him all she was interested in was having sex with him and we all know why that is because she wants to get pregnant and believe it or not she got what she wanted lacy fell pregnant and Lacey told Chris that she was pregnant and Chris was like oh my god that's amazing I want to step up I want to be a dad I want to be a part of the child's life Chris wanted the two of them to get married he wanted them to be a family but Lacey didn't have the same idea in mind because as soon as Chris started talking about marriage and all stuff like that Lacey was like oh actually it's not your baby it's someone else's baby and Lacey would then cut Chris out of her life and she would never see Chris again so Lacey now pregnant goes back to her old life where she is babysitting for other people and then on the 3rd of December 2008 Lacey is 21 years old she gives birth to a son that she names Garnett and Lacey's pregnancy was pretty smooth like everything went well the labor went well as well and Garnett was born Born a very healthy boy and in the weeks following Garnett's birth Lacey was taking so many photos she was posting him all over social media like she was overjoyed and Lacey was absolutely loving all of the attention that she was getting from posting her son online but then two days after I know only two days after the birth Lacey rushed Garnett to the hospital saying that there was something wrong with him saying that he had a fever and that there was something wrong with with his ears why is it always the ears like seriously and the doctors at the hospital checked Garnett they did all these tests and everything but they couldn't find anything wrong with him so because there was nothing wrong with Garnett they sent Lacey and Garnett home so then a couple of weeks pass and it's coming up to Christmas it's coming up to Garnett's first Christmas and again Lacey is posting so many photos of him online in all of his little Christmas outfits with captions like my first Christmas I'm on Santa's nice list and again Lacey is loving all of the attention that she's getting but then the day after Christmas Garnett is rushed into hospital because Lacey again is claiming that there's something wrong with him. The doctors run all of these tests, they hook up Garnett to an IV and all Lacey seems to be bothered about is taking pictures and posting them on MySpace with captions like, oh my poor baby, look at him, he has an IV. And when Lacey was posting all of this, she started to get a lot of attention and sympathy from others because they thought that Garnett was ill. So a new year rolls around. It is now 2009. And Lacey was in the pediatricians at this point almost daily. There always seemed to be something wrong with Garnett. Lacey would say things like, Garnett isn't eating properly. He's always vomiting everywhere. He's not holding his food down. There's always something wrong with his ears, like he's bleeding from his ears. This whole time, Lacey is documenting everything on MySpace with all of the photos, all of the photos of Garnett in hospital, in doctor's offices, just telling everybody how sick her son is and trying to get sympathy, trying to get attention. But the doctors could never find out what was wrong with Garnett. I mean, they could see that his ears were bleeding, like they could physically see that, but they didn't know why they were bleeding. But all of the other issues like Garnett not eating properly or wanting to vomit everywhere, the doctors never saw any evidence of this. No matter how many tests they ran, they could never find any answers. All of these issues that Garnett was apparently having 
were a mystery to every single doctor. And because the doctors could never figure out what was wrong with Garnett, this is when suspicions started to arise about Lacey. And one of the doctors that Lacey saw did come up with her own theory. She thought that Lacey was suffering from Munchausen by proxy. So Munchausen by proxy, also called MSP, is a psychological disorder where a caregiver will either exaggerate or deliberately cause symptoms of some sort of illness for a person in their care. And most of the time, all of this is done to either gain attention or sympathy. It is most often seen in mothers who will say that their child is sick. People suffering from Munchausen by proxy will often lie about symptoms. They will also alter test results, like they'll tamper with urine samples and stuff like that. They'll falsify medical records when they can, or they may actually induce the symptoms themselves. So sometimes people lie about the symptoms, but then in cases like Lacey, they'll actually take action to make those symptoms real, if that makes sense. And they'll do this by starvation, poisoning, suffocating, or causing an infection in some kind of way. And there are many warning signs for someone suffering with Munchausen by proxy. And they include the child or whoever is in their care, but we're just gonna say child in this case, because we're obviously talking about a child with Garnett. So the child is admitted into hospital with strange symptoms. The symptoms that the child is apparently experiencing is reported by the parent, but not actually witnessed by the doctors. The child's symptoms also don't match up to any test results that they have. And also the child's symptoms will improve when the child is in hospital, but then as soon as the child goes home, those symptoms will come back. And it's said that as social media usage has increased over the last few years, so have the reported cases of Munchausen by proxy because social media allows parents and caregivers to easily post pictures of their children, of whoever is in their care online to gain sympathy and attention. And I think it's safe to say that Lacey did pretty much tick every single box when it comes to Munchausen by proxy. And the pediatricians believed that Lacey was fabricating Garnet's illness, making it up, to gain attention. But when the doctor approached Lacey about this, she absolutely lost it. And this reaction is very common from people who are suffering from Munchausen by proxy. And unfortunately, when someone who is suffering from MSP, I feel like it's so much easier if I say MSP, um, as soon as they become aware that a doctor is onto them, they will just move on to another doctor. And this is exactly what Lacey did. She kept going around and moving to a different doctor. Every time a doctor started to get suspicious of her, she would leave and go to another one. So Lacey would see many different doctors and she would continue on telling every doctor that she could that Garnett was struggling to eat and he was vomiting everywhere. I cannot believe it, but Lacey was able to find a doctor that agreed to operate on Garnett. How? He has no symptoms. How does any doctor agree to operate on a child who has no symptoms? So the doctor agreed to perform surgery on Garnett to try and stop him from vomiting. And this operation was carried out when Garnett was only a couple of months old. It's why? And I am not a medical professional and I struggle to pronounce things at the best of times. And I am sure that there is a proper word for this operation. But basically this operation involved sewing something in his esophagus, which basically prevented Garnett from ever being able to vomit, which to me seems like a very, very, very radical step for somebody that doesn't have any symptoms. And then at nine months old, Lacey was able to convince another doctor to perform another operation. And this time the operation was to install a feeding tube into Garnett so it went directly into his stomach. And this is because Lacey continued to claim, I wanna stress that, claim that Garnett refused to eat. And I cannot believe she was able to convince medical professionals that a nine month old needed a feeding tube when this little boy had no symptoms that he needed a feeding tube. And I just feel like you shouldn't be able to convince doctors 
to perform serious operations like this. I just cannot believe that doctors agreed, yeah, we'll perform these operations on this little boy, even though we have not seen evidence that he needs them with our own eyes. You see why this case gets my blood boiling. And again, through both of the operations, Lacey is more concerned about taking pictures of Garnett in the hospital so she can post them on social media. And one of the captions that she posted with the photos said, he had to get a feeding tube. No, Lacey, he didn't you made him get a feeding tube. However, friends have later reported that they saw Garnett eat food many times, perfectly fine. Another friend has reported that when she was with Lacey and Garnett, Garnett was eating and Lacey smacked him and punished him for eating. So this pattern of behavior continued through the early years of Garnett's life. He would constantly be in and out of hospital and Lacey would always be posting pictures on MySpace, Twitter, and Facebook. So concerned about her little boy with all of these captions trying to get sympathy and attention. And unfortunately, she did get a lot of sympathy and attention. In one year, Garnett had 23 hospital stays for numerous different issues. And Lacey would post on social media with captions like, I don't feel good, mommy, or my little man is sick again. Please pray for G, we are at the hospital again. Garnett still kept showing problems with his ears. He had perforated eardrums and chronic ear infections. And people did suspect that Lacey was causing these ear infections and all of these ear problems but they had no way to actually prove it. And then in 2010, when Garnett was just two years old, Lacey did move to Florida and moved in with her grandmother. And it is believed that she moved to Florida because she had exhausted every single doctor in her area. And whilst in Florida, Lacey's behavior started to get even stranger, if that is possible. She started a blog documenting Garnett's journey and all of his illnesses, which you can still find today. Like it's still online, it's so weird. And on this blog, she decided to post about Garnett's dad. And she said that Garnett's dad passed away. Yes, that is right, she is telling Everybody that Garnett's dad has tragically passed away, yet another thing that she is doing to try and get attention, to try and get sympathy. And of course, it's not even true. And also she says that Garnett's dad is a man named Blake. Remember I told you to remember that little two date relationship that she had with a man named Blake? Yeah, now she's saying that he is the father of Garnett and that he's passed away, which neither is true. And on the blog, and like the blog post that she was making on Blake's death, she wrote, we have survived 365 days, a complete year without my soulmate and daddy, Blake. It hasn't been easy or even remotely enjoyable. The past year has been the hardest of my life. She would also post pictures of Garnet with the captions like, first Thanksgiving without daddy. We made a 14 hour drive home to attend a memorial service for daddy. It's like, who jokes about these things? July 1st would have been Daddy Blake's birthday. It's very clear to me what is happening here because Lacey's behavior is escalating and it's becoming more and more extreme. And it's because she's constantly trying to chase that high of getting the attention and sympathy online. She is an addict. 100% she is addicted to attention and just posting about her son's illnesses is not cutting it anymore. So now she's having to play the role of this widow who also has a child that has all of these mysterious illnesses. And this next part that I'm gonna talk about is incredibly weird and creeps me out. So Lacey joined a mom's group that used to meet on a regular basis and she would tell all of the other moms in this group how she was desperate to have a second child. And she kept telling the other moms that she couldn't find a man to have a child with. And then one of the moms offered up her own husband to impregnate Lacey. I am done. It's like, really? What the actual hell? So this is what happened. Lacey started having sex with this woman's husband to try and get pregnant. But regardless, I think they only had sex a couple of times because the wife decided 
yeah, this is not the best idea. Like I've changed my mind. I don't really like this. And Lacey didn't get pregnant, thank God. And as time went on, more and more people were just becoming really suspicious of Lacey because she would just always lie. She would always change her story. They were coming suspicious of Garnett's illnesses because he just wasn't ill. Like no one really ever saw these symptoms that Lacey was talking about. So towards the end of 2012, Garnett is around four years old at this point. Lacey decides it's time to relocate again. And this time they relocate to New York and they join a commune called the Fellowship Community. I know, I bet you're thinking, oh no, oh no, we're not entering cult territory, are we? And I'm happy to tell you that no, we are not. This is not a cult as far as I'm aware. So the Fellowship Community was just a commune where everybody would kind of live off the land. They would grow their own food. They would make their own clothes, etc. Like live off the land, live sustainably, and all stuff like that. They focused on holistic living, natural medicines, organic food, and Lacey really threw herself into this lifestyle and she believed believed that this lifestyle will cure all of Garnett's illnesses. And people in the commune, after they had learned about Garnett's health and all of his illnesses, they were expecting to see a really ill, a really weak child. But that is not what Garnett was. They would always see him running around, playing with other children, just being really happy. And they also saw him eating. But Lacey was continuing on the narrative of Garnett being really ill and all of his different symptoms and everything, continuing to post on social media about all of his illnesses, continuing to take him to all of these different doctors now in New York. She was saying that Garnett was suffering from seizures, from Crohn's disease, from celiac disease, which if you remember, were the diseases that her dad suffered with. I don't think that that is a coincidence. And this whole time, doctors could never, ever, ever find anything wrong with him. And also as Garnett was getting older and older, doctors kept saying that they wanted to remove his feeding tube. Remember that feeding tube in his stomach? Doctors were saying he doesn't need it. Like we need to get that removed ASAP. But Lacey refused. She was like, hell no, he needs that feeding tube. And every time a doctor would approach her and say, we need to get that feeding tube out, she would just move to a different doctor. And this whole cycle of Lacey just refusing to get the feeding tube removed and just going to all of these different doctors went on for quite a while. And then in January 2014, this is when the tragic events of today's case take place. And this is just 12 months after she moved to the fellowship community. So one day Lacey calls up one of her friends. Her friend's name is Una Younger. And on the phone, Lacey is absolutely frantic and she starts telling her friend, Garnet is having a seizure. I don't know what to do. I need to get him to hospital, but I don't have a car. Can you come over and help me get to the hospital? And Una is like, oh my God, of course, I'll be right over. Like, don't like worry, I'll be there. So Una rushes over to Lacey's apartment in the commune. She goes to the door, Lacey opens the door and Una is expecting Lacey to be frantic because that's what she was like on the phone. But that is not what Lacey is doing. Instead, Lacey is just very calmly very slowly packing up a hospital bag. She has no sense of urgency. And Una is just like, hang on a minute. I thought that Garnet was having a seizure. I thought we needed to get to hospital ASAP. What are you doing? And Una also notices that Garnet has been hooked up to his feeding tube. And his feeding tube is hooked up to a bag of cloudy white milky liquid. And Una was like, well, that's strange because I thought that Garnet was on this organic whole foods kind of diet. So they all get in the car and they rush to the hospital. But all Lacey is concerned about is taking pictures of Garnet and posting them on social media. So when they arrive at the hospital, Garnet is obviously immediately checked over. The doctors can see that Garnet is shaking. There seems to be something wrong with him. They also notice that Garnet clearly wants to throw up, but he can't. Remember, he's had that operation that prevents him from throwing up, which I think is just so like horrible. Like imagine wanting to throw up but you can't. It's like your body sometimes needs to throw up. Oh God, it's just horrible to even think about. But apart from the shaking and the needing to vomit, nothing else seems to be wrong with Garnet. They also check his sodium levels, remember this, and his sodium levels are currently 140, which is normal. Remember that? 
normal sodium levels when he arrives at the hospital. But Lacey keeps insisting that there's something wrong. She keeps insisting that Garnett is having seizures. And of course the doctors are like, yeah, there's nothing wrong with him. We will hook him up to an EEG machine just to make sure, but they can't find anything wrong with him. So they do keep Garnett in the hospital for a few days just to make sure that everything is okay. And there was a camera in the room, I think just to record him, just to like monitor his like behavior and everything like that, his symptoms. And you can see on this recording that Garnett right now seems fine. Like he doesn't seem like there's anything particularly wrong with him. But Lacey of course is still posting to social media saying pray for Garnett. He's in hospital. Like he's not doing well. It's just crazy to me that she wants him to be sicker than he actually is, which is like the opposite of what a parent wants. And eventually the doctors are just like, right, there's nothing wrong with Garnett. Like he's all fine. Like he can go home now. And tragically, this is when things take a turn for the worse. Garnett is seen on video looking perfectly healthy, nothing wrong with him. But then Lacey is seen picking Garnett up, taking him to the bathroom, which is not on camera. And then when she returns with Garnett, Garnett is suddenly seriously ill and it's just horrible to see like you can you can see it like you can see how much pain Garnett is in and I just don't understand how a parent anybody could put a child through that he's just physically you can see his body he's in pain and he's trying to throw up but of course he can't the doctors rush in to help they do some tests to try and figure out what the hell is going on and they check Garnett's sodium levels and his sodium levels are now one eight two and the doctors are just like this is impossible like that is seriously high this is extremely dangerous like this is way too high and you've got to remember that Garnett when he went to hospital his sodium levels were normal they were 140 and the doctor said that Garnett's level at 182 is the highest level of sodium that he has ever seen in a person anything above 160 is extremely dangerous. So imagine what 182 is. The doctors realize right now that this could be fatal because when sodium levels get that high, that is when the brain starts to swell. Garnett is immediately airlifted to a specialized hospital that can deal with this and they work frantically. They hook him up to IVs and everything to try and get his sodium levels down as safely and as quickly as possible. And throughout all of this, I just want to say that Lacey is a very concerned with her social media, of course. She's in the waiting room for a lot of this with her friend, Una, the one that took them to the hospital. Una is just flabbergasted. She's just like, am I really witnessing a mother right now? Not really caring about her son, not really caring that her son could be dying right now. All she cares about is social media and posting how sad this whole situation is. So the doctors actually do make some progress and they do get Garnett's sodium levels down slightly. But tragically, it was already too late. 182 is ridiculously high and there had already been too much damage caused. And 24 hours later, Garnett was pronounced brain dead. The doctors had the horrible task of informing Lacey that her son was brain dead and they were expecting her to completely fall apart, completely lose it. But that is not how she reacted. All Lacey was concerned about was going into the hospital room that Garnett was in and take pictures of him. And she took hundreds of pictures. Now, it's not for me or anyone to say how anyone should react in that situation. Some parents may want to take some photos of their child. Some parents might not. But what is not normal is taking hundreds of photos of your child who has just tragically passed away just to post on social media. And then almost straight away after taking these photos and leaving Garnett's hospital room, she posts on Facebook with the caption, Garnett the Great journeyed onward today. Meanwhile, the doctors are trying to figure out how this happened because one moment Garnett's sodium levels were completely normal and then the next moment they were ridiculously high. And it's not possible for his sodium levels to have gotten that high on their own. So the doctors are left with one conclusion and that is that this was intentional salt poisoning. And the doctors only have one suspect in their mind and that 
is Lacey. So the doctors immediately form the police on this. Um, they also look into the medical history of Garnett. They also look into the medical history of Lacey and realize that some doctors did believe that she had Munchausen by proxy. The police search Lacey's apartment and they find two open containers of salt. They also hear a story from Lacey's friend, Una, about that strange milky white cloudy liquid in that bag that was attached to Garnett's feeding tube. Well, it turned out that Lacey had phoned her friend and asked her if she could go round to the apartment and get that bag of the cloudy white liquid take it and get rid of it. And her friend, knowing what had happened, was just like, well, that's a bit shady. Why would I do that? So the friend, instead of doing what Lacey wanted, she actually handed that bag into the police. And the police tested the liquid, and guess what? The liquid was a high sodium mixture. Police also see the video footage from the hospital where Garnett looks completely fine and then goes to the bathroom with his mom and then returns and he's not okay. The police also found out that whilst Lacey was in the hospital, she was Googling things that uh, definitely make her look guilty. Because Lacey was Googling high levels of sodium. What are the dangers of high levels of sodium? What is a high level of sodium for children? I mean, it doesn't take a genius, does it, to realize that Lacey poisoned her son. So when Lacey went to trial, of course, she pleaded not guilty. Her defense claimed that it was the hospital that poisoned her son, that it was the hospital that was negligent, and that Lacey had absolutely nothing to do with Garnett's high sodium levels. But given all of the evidence, the jury did not agree. And Lacey was found guilty of second degree murder and also first degree manslaughter and was sentenced to 20 years in prison. Following the sentencing, Lacey has continued to plead her innocence. She did an interview for the 48 Hours show and oh my god. <laughs> oh my god, that interview infuriated the hell out of me. You guys, after you finish this, you need to go watch that whole interview, that whole thing on the 48 Hours show on Lacey Spears. She was so defensive throughout that whole interview. Oh my God, her attitude and like her face. Oh my God, it gets me so angry. And she was saying the weirdest things. Like she said, I made sure he had adequate medical history. It's like, what does that even mean? It seems to me that what she means by that is that she made sure that there was evidence that she cared as a mother because she took him to hospital. And she showed no remorse. She actually really barely ever showed any emotion. I don't know how she managed to make that whole interview about herself and not about her son Garnet. Everything was I, I, I. I missed out. I'm suffering. She said, I lost my future. And when she said that, that was the only point in the interview that she showed any kind of emotion. These were the only tears that she shed in the whole interview when she was talking about herself and the fact that she has lost her future. It's like, no, 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 N no, no, just stop. Garnett has lost out on his future. You took that away from him. And also remember, because I forgot to say this, but remember that Lacey said that Blake was the dad of Garnett, which obviously he wasn't because they didn't have sex. And also remember that she said that he died. Well, he's not dead. He's alive. And he popped up in the interview to confirm that he's still alive. And I just found that quite funny. I think something that I am not completely 100% clear on was did she intend to kill her son? Obviously she was abusing her son. She was mistreating him. She definitely intended to poison him and make him ill and all stuff like that. But did she intend to kill him? I mean, when you poison a child, I suppose you could argue, well, that right there is intending to kill that child. But most of the time when people are suffering from Munchausen by proxy, their intention is never to kill the person that they're caring for. Because if the person that they're caring for dies, 
that is where the sympathy and the attention ends. And sympathy and attention is the whole goal, the whole aim of somebody that is suffering from Munchausen by proxy. But regardless if she intended to or not, she still killed her son 100%. She is 100% responsible. She deserves to be in prison. And in my personal opinion, she deserves to be in prison for a lot longer than 20 years. And this case, again, is frustrating because like I said in the beginning of the video, there were so many opportunities for professionals to step in and do something about this and prevent this from happening. It just blows my mind that Lacey was able to convince medical professionals, doctors, to operate on her son when there was absolutely nothing wrong with him apart from the fact that he had a terrible mother. And also the fact that some doctors did write down in their notes that they suspected that Lacey was suffering from Munchausen by proxy. Why were Child Protective Services not informed about this? Why was there such a lack of communication between doctors, between hospitals and between different services to prevent something like this happening? It's like Lacey was on pretty much every doctor in Alabama, Florida, and New York's radar. This was 100% preventable and Garnett should still be here today. So that was the case of Lacey Spears and that was just absolutely heartbreaking. There are no further updates to this case since I first covered it on my YouTube channel. Lacey is still behind bars, thankfully, and there haven't been any further appeals as far as I could tell. But I do just wanna quickly talk about some of the comments that I got when I first shared this video. Most of the comments were reflecting on how incredibly devastating this case was and how hard it was to listen to, but also how frustrating it was that nothing was done to prevent this. This is just one of those cases where there were so many opportunities for someone to do something and they didn't. There were also comments from people who claimed to have known Lacey in the past, which I always find interesting these comments. So one of the comments said, I grew up and went to church with Lacey. When this came out, it was the biggest news in town. I remember her posting about Garnett constantly on MySpace and always feeling so bad that he was always sick. She eventually got kicked out of church for stealing. I was mind blown by everything, but it all made sense thinking about how odd she was growing up. RIP Garnett. And then another comment said, I knew Lacey when she lived in Florida. We were active Facebook friends, but my husband thought that she was odd and insisted I never hang out with her and my son. So glad we never got close. I remember watching her social media journey and it broke my heart. I never questioned her claims about Garnett's health. I still think about this case and got chills when this video popped up. And I remember when I first started researching this case, it was a case that just completely broke me. It was just so incredibly sad, especially after I saw that video footage of Garnett in the hospital. And I remember seeing the video footage of Garnett in the hospital when she poisoned him. I remember seeing him on the bed and he was completely fine. And then all of a sudden you can see in his body language and the way he's acting, you can see physically he is in pain. And that video footage has never left me. I always think about it because it just literally breaks my heart. And I always just think how can people like Lacey do that? And on that note, I think that would be a good place to end today's episode. Thank you so much everyone for listening today. Subscribe or follow to make sure you never miss an episode of The Criminal Makeup. And I would love it if you could leave a review. In the meantime, if you've been affected by any of the themes in this episode, please take a look at the description for this episode for some helpful resources. Special thanks to my producers at Audio Boom Studios, and I'll see you all in the next one.